0: So, welcome to Uncancelled Faith, our very first episode. Um, This podcast strives to break the culture of division that so often segregates believers from one another. Uh, So that's our mission. Um, And we're your hosts. I'm Joy Lucia Honeywell.
1: I'm Hannah Rose Russell.
0: We're so excited to have you here today. This podcast is brought to you by Inspire Truth. Um, We pray that this will be a time to share testimony, dive into some controversies, learn from one another and ultimately discover what the father wants to encourage us um, and how he wants to encourage us in our faith journeys.
1: Yeah, and this is a live uh, event, so we welcome all our listeners to join in the conversation and ask your questions at the end of this call. This is not a place of debate, um, so we just ask that you keep this place respectful, um, as this is just a space to share how the Lord is calling others to live. Uh, Today, we are so excited to welcome our guests, Rebecca and Xavier. Welcome to Uncancelled Faith. How are you guys today?
2: Thank you. We are doing great.
3: <laughs> Thank you very much. Super blessed to be here. I'm excited.
1: Awesome. Well, before we begin uh, talking about today's topic, which is betrothal, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Tell us where you came from and uh, how you came to follow the Messiah.
3: Yeah. So, my name is Xavier Putnam. I'm 26 years old. I'm a registered nurse, and I grew up in Southern California my whole life. I'm about an hour and a half east of Los Angeles, and I was raised in an amazing Christian home. Uh, my mom's side of the family uh, were missionaries to Japan. She was born in Japan, and my dad's side of the family is uh, a little rougher. But he came to faith at age 19 and broke a lot of bad family habits. So I was raised uh, just in an awesome household. I always had an intellectual understanding of God and Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus, as I knew him at the time. And when I was about seven years old, I was baptized in a little Baptist church, although I'm not sure I knew what I was doing, but, you know, it was the best we knew at the time. Uh, Also at around that age, I had severe ear infections. I would walk home every day from school just crying because the pain was just so severe and I was going to have my tonsils removed. And will you believe it at this little Baptist church, they anointed me with oil and prayed for me. And since that day, I've never had another ear infection or really any ear pain in general. So I've always known that not only is God real, but he's real and working in our lives. So that has been a blessing As I progressed through school at about age 17, I kind of got down on my knees and I said, Okay, I've known of you, God, intellectually my whole life, but I mean, I don't pray to you. I don't read my Bible really. Uh, I don't feel like I know you. I don't feel like I have a covenant relationship with you, is what I was thinking without knowing that concept at the time. So I got down on my knees and I think at that time, this would have been 2011, junior year of high school, age 17, I just prayed a prayer and I said, you know, I want to know you, Abba, and also please show me the roots of your faith. Show me the true faith because there's lots of denominations and I really don't know which one is right. So that began a journey of searching through denominations and I even went to Roman Catholic mass for almost a year. And because that was the oldest thing I knew at the time. And as I did that, I was led out to explore other denominations. I went to a Seventh-day Adventist church for a few visits and felt like I was getting warmer. Uh, I, I like to watch debates. So I would watch debates on various subjects in scripture. And one of them was Jim Staley's Sabbath debate On YouTube, and I had always had questions about the Sabbath, and at that point, I became heavily convicted that there are some things in the Torah that we've, as a body of believers, we've missed, and so gradually, from about 2014 to the end of 2015, which would have been my first and second years in um, college, second and third years in college, I. Gradually came to the understanding that the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and all scripture is applicable to believers today. And I really felt like I had a living, breathing covenant relationship with the creator through his son. And so at the start of 2016, I started attending a messianic congregation where I still attend today. And I've been walking in community since then. And it's just been a huge blessing. There have been many mistakes along the way, and always learning and growing. But Father is good and he guides us into deeper relationship with himself. So that is a little bit about me.
2: Well, I guess I'll go ahead and share a bit about myself. I'm 27, I live in Middle Tennessee and uh, I've lived here almost my whole life. We moved when I was around six and uh, around the same time, my parents who had been believers from their teenage years they moved um, just really because they they wanted to further their relationship with the father and we were in the city. So <laughs> so we moved from Indiana to Tennessee. And uh, around that time, uh, they discovered uh, Sabbath and the festivals and eating clean. And so I've pretty much done that my entire life. And so uh, from there on, it's, it was a journey and we met a lot of people and uh had a had a congregation that we started attending home fellowships as well and uh i i always loved god like with like just since i can remember when i was little but as far as claiming that relationship personally for myself and really really clinging uh it didn't happen until i was about 15 Uh, I had different, different times. One, when I was 13, I I thought on it. I was like, you know, I I need to, I need to really give my life to Yeshua. And I didn't really know exactly how, even though I loved him and I I wanted to follow him and serve him. And so when I was 15, it was at Sukkot at the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, I was around a campfire and it was just me and my sister. And and that day, I, I don't know, even know what it was, but I was so angry. I was really, really angry. I don't remember if it was at someone or, or what, but I was like, I had this desperation. I was like, wow, I need, I need salvation. Like I need Yeshua and I need to repent for my sins. And so, so there at the fire, I just, I gave my life to Yeshua and my, my sister Rochelle, she just walked me through and prayed with me and it was so beautiful under the stars and just, uh just a very, very uh, deep moment. And so then I was, I definitely, definitely took hold of Yeshua. Like I hadn't, and, uh, so that week I also, I was baptized a few days later and, uh, I felt changed definitely even then, like after being baptized and making that commitment, it was as though I did become someone new and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was cold. It was freezing <laughs> as about 55 or so degrees, um, and very windy, um, So, uh, but it was beautiful. It was such a, I I didn't feel cold in a lot of ways. It was, it was, yeah, a beautiful experience. So, uh, yeah, we, I, we just, uh, stayed with, um, uh, the same group of people for a while, uh, when I was growing up as far as our, uh, our messianic journey in the way. And, uh, but there were a lot of several splits. And so that, that brought challenges after I was 15. Uh, so I really, I had to, cling to the Sabbath and the feast for myself and not just because of the people around me or my parents even. And, uh, and it was challenging at times. Uh, probably my most challenging time was when I was around 21. I lost a lot of the people I grew up with as far as just following the same way. So so I really uh, had to stay steadfast. And that was difficult at times. I you know made mistakes and tried to you know, tried to accept people and it was just, it was always hard to know that balance between when you really love people, but then they're the following maybe a different way. I had to really try to do that in the right way without, um, watering down my faith. So, so yeah, um, yeah, from then it was, uh, it was a challenge, but it was, it was good. And now I, I learned many things and strengthened so much and, uh, and, uh, continued, and met other young believers, and that's eventually how I uh, met Xavier, and uh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, meeting all of them was um, a blessing, Uh, and I believe, I know that Elohim blessed me with uh, many people because of staying steadfast in him,
0: so. Wow, that's so awesome to hear a little bit about both of your um, backgrounds, so Um, I'm sure everyone else on the call would love to know as much as as I do, like, how did you guys meet? How did the Lord bring you together? Um, Yeah. Tell us a bit about that.
3: You want to start, Rebecca?
2: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we met at Revive 2018. Revive is a Messianic conference and I had gone there since 2012 there were some previous conferences that were similar and so my congregation would usually have some involvement in those conferences I would dance there as well as sometimes teach dance so yeah so Xavier um, and I were both at that conference in 2018 and we uh, a bunch of young adults decided to put t- together a young adult's night because they didn't have one so uh, so he and some others, from a group called Young Adults Following Yeshua were there. And uh, so I met them as a group. We actually didn't ever meet and talk one-on-one or anything. We, we, we met as a group. So uh, in a lot of ways, I honestly felt like I, I really met him in person in 2019 for me. But even though I did, we all danced together, like we were all around each other, but uh, we didn't really get to know each other much on a personal level then. But uh, that is how we met. In two thousand eighteen,
1: that's so cool. And so then you guys met. How did it become more than uh, a friendship? Did was was there a specific event that um, that maybe God put on your heart to say, "Hey, you need to look at this person um, uh, differently. Um, I'm calling you to them," or uh, did it just happen organically? Like, was there a uh, process in that. I don't know, like, um, I know that there's probably two two sides to the story, so I'd love to hear how uh, how that came to be and how you ended up in, in this relationship together.
3: Yeah, great. So I'll share a little bit of my background because it's very relevant to this betrothal relationship. So in about, uh, I'd say, Um, 2014 to 2015 as well. I was in a dating relationship with someone else. And we actually attended a Christian youth group or young adults group occasionally. And there was a Christian pastor and he, he didn't mention betrothal, but he said something that stuck with me. And he was talking about just categories of relationships in scripture. And what I mean by that is you see that there's a relationship between a husband and a wife. And as a kind of subcategory, you have what I thought at the time was an engaged couple. What now I would consider to be a betrothed couple. You have your blood relatives, right? We have spiritual relatives, brothers and sisters in the faith. And then we have the non-believing world. And maybe you have a few others, but those are the main ones. And he said something that stuck with me, which was, you know, if you're not in a committed relationship with someone, then if they're in the faith, they are technically your brother or sister. And I thought, wow, so that means that any single woman who's not my spouse is likely another man's future spouse. And my perspective from that moment began to shift, especially as I deepened just um, in, in the truth of Torah and the spirit, I that's how I began to look at women. And so I, I ended that relationship at the end of 2015, early 2016. And I didn't want to entertain thoughts about someone else's future spouse. That's just something I decided on my own. I also wanted to do things Elohim's way and not my own way. And so in would have been January of 2016, Um, when I'm like 20, turning 21, I I basically made a vow to the father and I said, I'm not ever going to pursue another woman unless you show me that she's my wife. And you also have to give me permission to pursue her. And please confirm all of this through multiple witnesses. (laughs) So I prayed that prayer. And year after year, I went and just deep into my own walk and didn't worry about that at all. I would occasionally pray for my future spouse, uh, because people kept telling me that it was important. I didn't really like to do it because it took my mind. I felt like it put my mind on that subject a little too much, but I did occasionally do so. And so when I met Rebecca in 2018 and then in 2019, again, um, I just thought she, I've always thought she was an amazing, beautiful woman, but I never thought that we would end up betrothed and married. Uh, I was quite certain that she would end up with some other amazing person, (laughs) but um, I knew her about as well as I did many of my other sisters because I really tried to just treat all women the same way to the best of my ability. Um, But I definitely knew she was special. Uh, there was a time that at the 2019 Revive Conference that I actually felt led to pray for her during a big public um, praise and worship night, and there was a lot of ministering going on, and I actually wanted to invite her to share about that moment, because it's important.
2: Yeah, so I'll give a little bit of uh, background to as far as my betrothal story as far as where how I came to that I grew up with courtship and so all of my siblings I have I have quite a big family I have 12 siblings and I have had eight siblings uh court and get married and so and I was I always thought it was a you know kind of just the way you do it you know just the way you do things and but I had been familiar with betrothal I think my main thing was uh I thought Oh, gosh, you know, they don't even know each other. You know, this is my thing. Like, how could someone just propose to someone and just marry them, like not know them? Uh, So, yeah, that was my hesitation. But I always thought it was beautiful. Like every story I heard, I was like, wow, that's that's anointed. (laughs) I always loved the stories. So but I only had one relationship in 2017, early 2017. Very brief. But during that time, I. I felt so strongly I wanted God's will in my life, in in whoever I would marry. I wanted his will and not my own. And it was so strong. It was just the whole entire relationship. I was just praying, please, please, Father, Abba, just show me if this is from you or not. And so eventually it ended and I got a strong no. And at the end of that, I was like, okay, if, if I got such a strong no, I, I really... I know that he can give me a strong yes. So from that point, I just wanted before courtship, before anything, I just wanted the Heavenly Father to tell me, show me who I was supposed to marry. So I didn't have to go through that. And uh, the process of, you know, thinking about someone and entertaining the idea of them being your spouse when they weren't. Uh, And so that was 2017. So at the point when I met Xavier, that was very much, I didn't. I didn't want to change that. I wanted to hear from God who I was supposed to, to marry. And so in 2019, uh, similar to Xavier, I didn't, I didn't view him in any other way as than a brother. He was a brother to me. And, uh, in 2019, I was at the young adults night and I had done teaching the past few days. So I was, I was pretty tired. I had, i had experienced a burnout and I hadn't quite recovered from that. So teaching dance was usually a very, it was a very long day, lots of, yeah, lots of energy (laughs) went into that. And so at this young adult night, uh, I was very exhausted and didn't know if I could last the night. Honestly, I I was thinking about going up to my room and a little worried I might pass out (laughs) from the exhaustion. And so I was sitting there having this quiet conversation with the Heavenly Father, just asking him, you know, what to do and why you know, why I've been given this gift of dance, but not really feeling like I could, I could handle it. And, uh, I was facing the worship, uh, team when they were, when they were worshiping and just, uh, sitting there and quietly speaking to the father and, uh, Xavier comes up to the side, the side of me, I, I was, wasn't faced towards him. He came to the side of me and put his hand on my shoulder to get my attention. And, uh, he starts saying all these blessings over me as far as, uh, he said, I was such a good example to the ones around me and how my dancing was a testimony and just all of these uplifting words. And I felt as though he was praying over me, that it was like, I I had the answer that I was looking for from the father, just, you know, should I be doing this dancing? You know, should I, and that was like an answer that yes, I am supposed to be doing this, but not just that I felt a healing come to my body and, uh, an uplifting, it was, it was, I'd never experienced that before so after that moment I knew I was like wow this this guy this man is really anointed and very special like I knew that and uh I honestly though I in a lot of ways I he felt unreachable (laughs) and like I I, he didn't I didn't feel like any way that he had been my husband (laughs) um but you know um the father surprises you (laughs) so uh yeah so after that event in 2019 I really knew what kind of spiritual man he was and so after that point uh yeah I I I looked at him in a very uh respected way he was I looked at him very highly
0: and I respected him very much wow it's so amazing um to hear um your guys' story um, of how you met. Now we've we've kind of touched briefly on on betrothal and on courtship. So, um, Xavier, can you define for us um, what um, betrothal is and how it differs from um, courtship and even um, Western dating?
3: Yeah, sure thing. Now I'm by no means an expert on the subject. Uh, I was gradually led to the understanding of betrothal, as I mentioned many, what, what is now many years ago. But I never knew it was called betrothal or really even what the concept was uh, until last Gregorian year, 2020. A friend of mine sent a teaching on betrothal to me and it, I was like, wow, okay, everything that I've been reading and studying and just being led by the spirit it's like all the puzzle pieces fit together. Like, okay, this is why I don't feel comfortable um, pursuing, or even like talking differently with any particular woman, you know, who's just a sister. This is why I feel uncomfortable with private messages that are more than a couple sentences, you know, and very close ended and to the point. This is why. So basically, my understanding is that betrothal is the initiation of a marriage covenant. So if we think to Yosef and Miriam, Yeshua's parents, when Yosef is suspecting Miriam of adultery, even though they had not consummated the marriage yet and had intercourse, he thought about putting her away, you know, divorcing her, we think. And so why would that be a divorce though? Because typically when you see people break off an engagement today, Nobody thinks of it as a divorce, but with betrothal, it is because you have made a marriage covenant before God. And so that's a little bit about how it differs from engagement. Now, courtship is. Let's we'll start with dating, I guess. Dating is, and courtship are similar in that it's you're trying to get to know someone. And, and you know genuine like quote unquote christian dating you you are trying to get to know someone for marriage you know uh, a lot of people are very genuine in that and same with courtship um but they both involve trial runs basically you're you're kind of trying the person out and just seeing if you're going to fit you know learning things about them their likes their dislikes and to varying extent spending Lots of alone time with them in the case of dating, which is a little more relaxed, I would say, than courtship. Courtship, I've always seen as a little more family oriented. Usually you try to involve the family and both sides of the family. Not that you can't in dating, I suppose, but courtship tends to be a little more uh, controlled. Usually uh, people have chaperones everywhere they go, and in courtship, it's also a trial run, but when you court someone, typically you've expressed interest to the parents. I'm, I want to court your daughter, you know, for the purposes of marriage, if that's where he takes us, but it might not be where he takes you though. That's the thing. So that's a little bit about dating and courtship from my perspective. So they would differ in betrothal in that when you become betrothed, you you literally make a covenant and so if you break that covenant you are technically divorced so with betrothal it usually relies upon hearing elohim tell you you know you're supposed to marry this person and ideally you have lots of prayer partners behind you certainly both of us did (laughs) and also with betrothal um you if you want to get to know the person then group settings are best. You don't have to say a word to the person. You can learn a lot about somebody by spending time in a group setting. And if you really wanna know things on an individual level, you can always ask somebody who knows them really well. So there are ways of knowing things about the person and perhaps a you know a deal breaker could be found that way. But what matters most is that Elohim tells you to marry this person and you marry them. And at that point, you the man approaches the father in betrothal and basically asks permission to marry his daughter. And so we haven't shared that part of the story yet and how we got there. But that's my basic understanding of some differences between dating, courtship, and betrothal.
1: Awesome and so Rebecca what were like I know that you said that you grew up in courtship so then what was your reaction um I mean you haven't told us exactly how the father brought you to both uh realize that you were to be betrothed to one another so what was your reaction um before you ended up entering this betrothal and then now that you've entered it you can share a little bit about how that happened too
2: all right so i was actually xavier was revealed to me uh before i decided on betrothal (laughs) oddly enough and uh it was at revive 2020 uh xavier wasn't able to come and uh yeah so he wasn't able he wasn't actually there (laughs) uh but uh so i uh one of the days i believe it was on shabbat uh and uh i ran to some friends a mutual friend of mine and xavier's and uh, they had just gotten married. Uh, they had been betrothed first, though. And just a few few days before revive, they were they were married. And so I ran into them and they told me a little of their story. And and uh, the wife, she mentioned that God told her she was supposed to marry him like years before that. And uh, I just remembered thinking, wow, that's that's incredible. And I'd heard that before, but I had gotten to the point, not that I'd given up that. God could do that but I wondered if maybe that was a little much to ask for. I thought, okay, maybe that's just, you know, too much to ask for. That happens with some people but I don't know, you know about me. But yeah, so I had become very content though. I wasn't uh I don't know, I was really just uh, enjoying that time to just had the closeness with uh Yeshua and just uh, having that those single years were were important to me in that way but uh not that I didn't get a lot of people (laughs) pushing me in any kind of way but I did I did get that occasionally but um yeah so so I ran to this couple and uh and after she said that uh i was just it was very much on my heart to pray for that again cuz i had prayed pretty strongly just that that would be the way it would happen for me that god would just tell me who i was supposed to marry and so uh without me realizing though that is betrothal that's what people do in betrothal they they pray and seek and and find <laughs> and and uh and so i i started praying that again i went to to my hotel room i was going to take a nap i also i also noticed the the difference in my body as far as teaching that year also so um that was I was not nearly as tired as I normally was but instead of uh taking a nap I decided to pray and there had been someone uh that uh I had been praying about and uh, I decided I needed to either open that door or close it completely so I, I prayed to the father just to take this uh this person I've been praying about is just off my mind completely if, if they weren't for me. And so I, uh, yeah, I got down on my knees. I prayed and, and just like that. (laughs) Um, I, uh, yeah, this just, I knew this, you know, wasn't the way that the father had for me. So, so I just sat there and in just peace, I was so at peace and just, uh, just content and, uh, just listening to the father. And a few seconds later, uh, Xavier comes to mind. <laughs> so I, I wondered at first, I was a little irritated, actually, because I was more or less, I was um, very much against being interested in Xavier, because I respected him so much. So I, I was very um, careful not to consider him in that way. And uh, because he was always very respectful, when he would communicate with me, he'd He'd write very brief and keep it short. And it was just always one of those things I was just like wow he's he really knows how to communicate with with girls and uh and I really respected that so uh, so I sat there for a moment waiting for him to leave and uh he wouldn't wouldn't leave I wondered if it maybe it was because the night before he had written a message to me and a few other people who had been dancing uh and he'd seen us on a live video and he said he wished he could be there and uh it was such a blessing to see us and and uh, anyway, so that was I was like, OK, maybe that's why I'm thinking about him. <laughs> um, so I just waited a little longer, didn't go away. So so I, I just asked God, I said, OK, I was said, is it Xavier? I was just very to the point. Is it Xavier? Because I was just like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I asked and nothing happened. And then I, I started intensely praying, you know, is it Xavier? Is it Xavier? And I said that about 10 times or so. And just very intensely, very meaningful. I just wanted to know. I, I didn't. I didn't want to think of him in any way, unless uh, that would be the reason. So, so I prayed that and. In, in that prayer, uh, the words switched. I didn't even really notice when they switched. But instead of saying, is it Xavier? I started saying, it is Xavier. And I said this many times about maybe the same amount of time as I had said, is it? And uh, I just started saying it is. And then I caught myself and I realized what I was saying. And I think I covered my mouth. I was like, what just happened? <laughs> and so I just, uh, that moment, I just gave it to the father. I said, okay, God, if that was really you telling me if Xavier, if he's really my husband, that, uh, you'd show him, I just asked, you know, show him. Cause I can't do it. Any- I wasn't going to do anything. <laughs> I knew, uh, that's, you know, so yeah. So I asked, just show, show Xavier. Yeah. So that's, that's how Xavier was revealed to me.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm so touched by that. Um, and your, just your willingness to really listen to the Lord and really really hear from him over kind of anything else um so I'm now really curious um Xavier how um the Lord revealed um to you that Rebecca um was to be um your wife
3: yeah so at around the same time I would say as we're approaching the the summer of 2020 about revive time uh, I had been growing in this understanding of betrothal. I had been listening to a podcast by uh, the Love and Purity Ministry, Braden and Tally Waller. And there's a podcast called The Voice of My Beloved. And among other things, they talk about betrothal, they talk about the Song of Songs. And I started to delve into that book primarily from my own relationship with uh, Elohim, but also. Because I was getting a strange sense in my spirit over the course of 2020. And it's difficult to describe, but the best way that I can verbalize it is your time that you have to yourself is coming to a close soon. And I was like, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to get married? You know, and I had I had committed to the father that if he did not have marriage for me, then that's fine. And I was at peace with that. Um, But. I just had this impending sense, like you need to get certain things done right now. You need to work on certain things because it's something's coming sooner than you expect. And as I began to do that and learn more about um, betrothal, I started to pray again more often for my future spouse. So I would take walks in the morning sometimes, and I would just pray that if, if I have a future spouse, I pray that her day is blessed. You know, I pray I would pray against temptation. I would pray um, just for all all kinds of things. And as for, you know, confirming witnesses as to whether that person is my spouse, I had a lot of things I prayed about, but I would pray things like, number one, well, Father, I guess you've led me to this understanding of betrothal. So I pray that she likes betrothal because it'd be awfully hard to do anything if we were not on the same page about that. So I prayed for an interest to be developed in betrothal. I prayed very specifically that she would be discipled by people in her own peer group, people in the middle-aged group, and then elderly couples and people as well. And I prayed for the spiritual gifts to manifest in her and for her to be open to certain spiritual gifts. Really, there's not, I don't think there are many deal breakers per se in a faith-based covenant, but those things would have made it difficult for sure. And there are other things as well I prayed for. But I began to notice just at random times, whether on a post or a group video call or just a group discussion, that Rebecca seemed to have all those things and more answered. It was just like one after the other, I would just notice these things without anyone trying. And I thought to myself like, wow, she's really the, the only one at the moment that I can... Think of that has been the answer to all my prayers, potentially. Um, But I had still not been given permission to pursue her by the father. And I had received no confirming witnesses from others. And I had prayed very intensely, like, father, show it to everyone else. Don't even show it to me because I don't want myself to have anything to do with this. You know, if I'm going to get married. So, uh as the 40 days leading up to Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, came near, and for those who don't know, the 40 days leading up to the Day of Atonement in the seventh month on the Hebrew calendar are usually seen as an important time for reflection, repentance, uh, very deep searching, and just drawing near because it foreshadows the future resurrection and the, the final judgment. Uh, during those days, I really kind of put her in the back of my head and just focused on the appointed season and for the Festival of Tabernacles after that, which is foreshadows the marriage supper of the Lamb, just a time of joy. I think we both kind of just focused on the season, really, and kind of put each other in the back of our minds. Um, but after the Festival of Tabernacles, uh, which is one thing Rebecca prayed for, you know, that I'd be revealed to her shortly after Sukkot Tabernacles, uh, I was on the phone with a friend of mine and a really close friend and brother in the faith. And he said, I think I know who your wife is. And I was like, Oh really? And he's like, yeah. And he said confidently, and there's nothing you can do about it either. And I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Interesting. More confidently than he normally sounds, which is already very confident. And uh, so as I heard a little more about this, he was saying things like there's at least four group, four witnesses who have come to the same conclusion about you and this person. And I thought to myself, okay, maybe it sounds like they're trying to make me. Not like I'm totally against that, but it kind of sounds a little forced to me. And I don't know that I'm interested. But the more we talked about this, the more I realized as he shared um, secondhand information and first and some firsthand from the other sources, I realized, oh, it doesn't sound like they all plotted together and schemed to make this happen. It more so sounds like they came to the same conclusion independently and then realized that they all agreed. Uh, so I began to pray a little more intensely and I fasted about it as well. And I thought to myself, well, this has never happened because before when a woman had come up as with a question mark over her head. And there were a few. I I read from a betrothal testimony. I think it's on the betrothal and wedding website. Uh, The man had prayed for the question mark to go away whenever that happened. Just go away one way or the other. And so one by one, these question marks when they came, which were not often, they they went away after usually a couple of days of praying and fasting about it. And it's like, that is an answer to prayer in and of itself because you win a battle without firing a single shot, without involving anyone romantically, without causing any damage to yourself or others. And Rebecca had a question mark as well. And now I I was faced with multiple witnesses. So um, there we have uh, uh, two friends who are married who kind of came to this conclusion just by observing. Uh, the parents of another friend as well. And then um, a gal who was in a prayer call with me and Rebecca, just a group prayer call. And she actually left the call because she felt like the Holy Spirit told her that we were supposed to be married and she was intruding upon something. So that was interesting. And then also, um, most notably when I took of what I'm telling you all now, the skeleton of this whole journey. I took this to my family and many spiritual advisors in whom I trust, and I took it to my congregational elders. And one day after the Sabbath service, I explained all of this to one of my elders and his wife, and his wife verbalized the name Rebecca without me telling her. And that was pretty profound. I stood there very shocked. I mean, this sort of thing should be normal in our world, but I did not expect it to happen that way to me. Now, this lady does not have a smartphone. She does not have Facebook. Rebecca's name had hardly, if ever, come up at congregation, but she knew that her name was Rebecca, and she just kind of looked up to the the sky, like as if it were from God, and I just stood there like, really? Wow. Okay. Okay. Like this is this is pretty crazy. <laughs> um, so, I prayed a couple more weeks. You know, now we're in November of 2020, about that time. And I, after just asking many many people to pray, uh, usually without her name, I was led to the understanding that this is this is not random. That there there are no coincidences. This is from the Father. And she had already been coming to mind, but now we have some witnesses. And I felt like, okay, wow, she really could be my wife. So I then was faced with um, uh, a decision because everything I knew about betrothal, well, now here's where you really approach the dad. And I had never met Mr. Blackford before, uh, over virtually or in person. And so. I thought to myself, well, what am I gonna do? You know, so I, I ended up approaching the parents of one of our friends and shared kind of what I shared now with them. And they seemed excited and they gave me his email address for my request. And I basically introduced myself, told him a little bit about myself, um, explained how I knew Rebecca and in what context. And then I shared some of the skeleton of what had been going on in my life over the past few years and past few months, more specifically. And I asked for his wisdom, his counsel and his thoughts and, and Rebecca's mom as well, their thoughts on the, on what's going on. And so I was, I was going to send, I was going to send this email like that weekend. It was like a Tuesday, I think. And then my friend called me up again and he said, so are you going to send that email tonight? And I was like, I mean, I I was I was going to wait till the weekend, maybe the first day of the week, just kind of just later, give it some time, pray about it more. And he's like, you should send it tonight. And I was like, why? And he's like, just send it tonight. And I was like, okay, all right, fine. I'll send it tonight. So I sat down and really fine tune it with a lot of prayer uh, on my balcony and just a couple hours, just meditated over it. And I sent it. And I received uh, a reply the following morning, but I'll let Rebecca pick up from here.
2: Yeah, so during that time, actually right after I had asked the Father, the Heavenly Father, to uh, just reveal it to Him. uh, Two weeks after that, within that two weeks, I I had been listening also to that podcast that Xavier mentioned and uh, the voice of my beloved. And I've been really working on my relationship with Yeshua and just being a bride to him and for him. And uh, I, so I thought, you know, if, if God has marriage for me, maybe I should think about being a bride for a husband as well. So I just continued to focus on that and uh, being a bride. And during that two weeks, I just, I didn't feel that. I didn't feel that bride feeling. And so I was really doing a lot of self-reflection and uh, prayer and, and I knew it had to do with sin. You know, I knew there was some sort of sin I wasn't, I wasn't uh, dealing with. And so I talked to a sister, had her pray for me. And this is about two weeks after Revive. And then uh, there was, Xavier mentioned, uh, asked if anyone would like to do a prayer call that day. And at first, I, I wasn't going to get on the prayer call. Uh, I was like, No, I, I didn't. I just wanted to kind of put that aside. And because I, I didn't know exactly what I was dealing with at that point. And I just needed to not think about Xavier. <laughs> um, so but but I, I decided, Okay, I can get on this prayer call and and put that aside, whatever, whatever is going to come out of this, I can put that aside, and I need to get on this prayer call. So I got on the prayer call, and that was the same prayer call that Xavier mentioned with the other the other girl. It ended up just being three people, us three. And Xavier said he uh, right away he said that we were going to pray for each other. And I was right away I knew I was like, oh wow, I need prayer. Like I really needed prayer. And I was really glad it was just us three because it was um it's able I was able to share and ask for prayer and just a like a heartfelt way and, and really seek the father right at that moment. Uh, and uh, it's really to confess your sins one to another. That is really something that's important. And so I asked, asked for prayer and Xavier prayed for me and then uh, I prayed for him and then, and then he prayed for the other girl as well. So, and then she, yeah, she ended up dropping off. I didn't, had no idea at the time. I was trying to be very, and I was very normal, completely treated everyone as brothers and sisters and was just, normal. <laughs> and um so after that time, uh a few weeks later, that that sinful oppression that I was dealing with uh left and it was a uh, it was yeah, a very very neat time in my life. Uh so that summer I was very much focused spiritually and just uh really cl- trying to focus on the internal cleansing that uh I needed to keep doing because after, after at that point it was just like I wanted to get closer and closer to the father and just continue in this way and um and just uh taking any sin in my life out and so I uh just had that whole summer through I guess through that was the end of July when that that happened and and through August I just spent spent a lot of time in just prayer and really really becoming that bride for Yeshua and so uh I ended up at, at the end of July, I went to this conference and uh, it was actually the podcast couple, they put on this conference and uh, I met someone there that asked me, what do you think of betrothal? And I was rarely asked that question anyway. And my answer was, well, I think it's beautiful, but you know, I don't know if it's for me or not, you know, it was just kind of like, I don't know. But anyway, after that, it was on my mind a lot. And then that same girl, uh, she ends up getting engaged in betrothed about two weeks later to a friend of mine so after that she I I messaged her and I said okay I said you've done it you've got me you've got me hooked to betrothal now I I want to be betrothed like this is something I desire and I wasn't setting my heart to the point where I was like counting on it I just knew because at this point I still didn't know for sure if Xavier was my husband so it was one of those things where I was like, well, if he is, this will work out well, <laughs> because he likes patronal, you know? Uh, so, but uh, yeah, so I just, I knew I, I really desired it. So I was like, well, the father does give us the desires of our heart. So, um, so in that time, I just, I decided that that was in August. And, uh, and then in September, uh, we were in a chat in our scripture chat and Xavier and I, we, we exchanged some some things. I think I, I mentioned that I uh, was going to, or I had uh, gotten re-baptized or just re my life. And uh, then we had some conversation about that. And uh, after that point, I, I decided that I really needed to to say another prayer about him because I I prayed about him, but like Xavier said, like as far as praying for my future spouse, it was somewhat difficult. I didn't want to think about it too much, so I didn't really like to pray about it. But at this point, I was really trying not to think about Xavier. But I w- it was one of those things where I needed to pray about him. So at this point, I was like, okay, I felt strongly I needed to pray a specific prayer. Prayer, pray a specific prayer. So I did. I prayed that uh, I would be revealed to him either at Sukkot, or soon after Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, and that, uh, yeah, that I would be revealed, and if not, then, (laughs) you know, I wouldn't be, so, um, so I, I was, I didn't want to, during that time, the main reason I prayed that was because it was becoming somewhat hard to not awaken love before it's time, that's something that's said in the Song of Songs, I was really, even after I was told Xavier was my husband, I I didn't want to awaken love yet, and so, I at that point knew it was becoming difficult, so I, I just wanted to have an answer and know that it was indeed from Elohim, and if not, I didn't want to be opening that door. So so I uh, yeah I prayed that, and then uh, obviously <laughs> that's uh, that's what happened. I was revealed to him, and so when he wrote my dad, uh, that that my dad didn't did end up telling me. <laughs> And, uh, so I actually told my parents and many people after Revive 2020, after I had, after he had been revealed, revealed to me, I told at least 20 people, um, to pray for me, asked them to pray for me, my parents being one of them. So they knew about him. So when he wrote my dad, dad was like, Oh, wow, this is that guy that (laughs) Becca said might be her husband. So, uh, so, yeah, my parents were very much at peace. Uh, it was right away. It was just they knew that there was something about this whole, whole thing. It was it was definitely Holy Spirit led and from Elohim. And so, yeah, so he uh, he arranged a time to come meet my family and see me. It had been a year and a half, I think, uh, since we had seen each other. So it had been a little while. Um, but yeah, I guess I'll go ahead and let Xavier pick up from there. <laughs>
3: Yeah, so um, I received a reply the, the very following morning. And basically, Mr. Blackford said, We've talked about this with Rebecca. We have a really close relationship with our daughters. And because I hadn't talked about any of this with Rebecca at all, anything at all, really. Um, and but he, he made the call to talk to her about it. And I said, That's mean, He's the dad, you know, he can do that. And I had offered in the email to to fly out to Tennessee, and so he said, we'd be glad to have you uh, over. You know, I take my responsibility really seriously to not let my daughters marry outside of Israel, Israel being the covenant faith community, and so we had one phone call before I came, and we just kind of shared our own backgrounds and didn't really talk much about Rebecca, to be honest. We just, I think we just wanted to get to know each other, so uh, I headed out there on uh, Wednesday, January 6th. Uh, he picked me up from the airport, took me out to lunch and just asked kind of some more questions and got to know each other a little bit more. And he kind of hinted that there's, there was a lot more to the story, which you've all been hearing now. I knew none of that. I had no idea like <laughs> how anyone was taking any of this other than it must have been good because I got invited over. So Uh, We ate lunch in a county called Putnam County. And for those of you you who don't know, my last name is Putnam. And it was just really interesting. And there were a lot of these little details that just kind of um, decorate this story, if you will. And it's never something to place complete faith in just any one of these details. But when you have so many to the point where it's just overwhelming, you do stop and take notice of it. And so here I was in Putnam County with the county named after one of my ancestors eating lunch with Mr. Blackford. And he was saying, oh yeah, we've been doing our shopping in Putnam County for years. And I was like, wow, like this is really strange. <laughs> um, just a, you know, interesting little detail there. So he asked me, you know, after lunch, cause we were gonna go pick up stuff at the store for dinner and drive back. Uh, to the house. And he said, do you want Rebecca to be at this dinner? I mean, she can stay at her grandmother's. It's your call. And I thought about it. I was like, well, I mean, she already knows. So I I think we can, we can have her come, you know, to the gathering. (laughs) So uh, I got to the house before she did and oddly welcomed her her, into her own home. (laughs) And uh, I had been getting to know her, her, dad, mom, and two sisters and a younger brother who still live with their parents. And uh, I just felt like I fit right in. I mean, none of us even really talked about why I was there at all. Um, And even when Rebecca came through the door, we still didn't. We just all kind of had a normal dinner. And same thing with the following day, Thursday, we, I spent more time with her dad, more time with the family. We did some things all together and some things separately. And Finally, Thursday night, uh, her dad suggested, okay, so tomorrow morning, you know, why don't you two sit down by the fireplace and just kind of share what's been going on in your lives over the past few months. And you can be in a semi-private area in the house. So that's what we did. And I shared my part of the story first and she shared hers. And so we got to hear everything you're hearing now and a little more and we both kind of looked at each other and we were like, wow, well, like this is really clearly from above by now. I mean, at this point it's very overwhelming. So I thought to myself, well, what in the world do I do now? <laughs> um, I was Like, well, I know I like betrothal and I know what comes next, but I, I didn't know. I mean, may just do her parents want more time for us. I mean, I need to respect them. You know, what about her? Like, So her parents came in toward the end of the testimony and were kind of like, and now you both know both sides of the story, you know? And I kind of looked at them and I was like, so is there anything like that you would require or want from here on before? And I kind of just let my words linger a bit. And her dad just looked at me and was like, the ball's in your court. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I could wait till I meet more of her family, you know, and that, I guess that would be more conventional. Um, They were going to arrive that uh, evening and I would meet more of them the next day. But I thought to myself, what am I going to do now? Like just this whole day, how are we going to interact with each other? Because think back to those categories of scriptural relationships when you share this much information with someone and it's abundantly clear what you need to do. I thought to myself, no, you know what? I'm just going to ask him. So I drew, I just asked him directly right after that dad and mom were there. And I said, you know, do I have permission to marry your daughter? And he said, yes. And so I turned right to Rebecca and I mean, we were already sit- sitting on the floor, but I got up and then I kneeled and I asked her to marry me. So that was Friday, January 8th. And that's how we got there.
1: And what was your family's reaction, Rebecca? I mean, here they come to meet this guy. And then that day you're just like, oh, yeah, we're betrothed now. And they haven't even met him. <laughs> like, how did that work? I mean, this, this whole story is incredible. But I'd love to hear their reaction, too, because you you guys are just in this bubble. Um but then they're coming in from the outside. So it's got to be a different perspective.
2: Yeah. So I had warned them, well, warned, give them forewarning. Um, I told them at, uh, actually at Sukkot, I told most of the family uh, that I liked betrothal because none of them had done betrothal and all of them in courtship, they didn't like, m- like the girl, all the girls, the first person they courted, they, they married. So it was, it was always very serious. And, um but it was still none of them had done betrothal and it was just a little it was a little different and so I told all of them because in case it would happen I didn't want to just think I didn't want them to think I was just going crazy you know I was a little bit of the the odd maybe odd one in the family just maybe I didn't do things exactly you know the same so so I gave them all that I just said hey I like betrothal so if this happens to me you know I'm not crazy. (laughs) This is something I'm actually praying about. So, uh, so then when he wrote my dad, I told all of them and I said, you know, this is, this will lead to betrothal. Cause at that point, like Xavier didn't know everything I had experienced, but at that point, like I looked at him as man, I was going to marry because that was the answer to my prayer. So, so I told all of them, you know, this will most likely lead to betrothal. And, uh, And they, they were like, okay, you know, so they had a month to think about that. So when he came, I, I didn't necessarily know that he, we would, he would, you know, propose, we would be engaged or betrothed. I didn't, um, know that it would be betrothal right away, but, uh, but yeah, uh, so they they had to warm up. <laughs> it was a little bit of a shock because they were so used to being so involved. My family were very very involved, and so this in in my and Xavier's story it was a lot of friends that that were praying and and seeing this and not necessarily family. Even though my parents, they saw you know they saw all of the the involvement of Elohim in this. It wasn't just people. It was it was it was the Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit leading this, and so. And I had told all of them about Xavier also as far as when before, you know, before uh, he wrote my dad, I had said, hey, you know, I think God told me who I'm supposed to marry. So they did have some some forewarning. And so I think I'd say my brothers took a little longer for them to warm up, but they 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 love Xavier and they they see they saw like the spirit in it right away, really. Um, but they they uh, yeah, they they love him and they, they love me (laughs) and they, uh, they really um, love to see our story and they appreciate our story. They're very blessed by it. I, I think in many ways, uh, very blessed. And so, so yeah, it was really, I would say that um, Elohim blessed the whole thing, just as far as how my family took it and how my parents were, how Elohim just showed not just me, but them. And, uh, and so, yeah, it was it was really a neat a neat time and uh, and, and that moment when uh, Xavier proposed, I mean, I I knew I knew what I was going to say and everything, but I didn't necessarily expect that. So it was it was neat. It was perfect timing. It was very much. I didn't feel like it was the wrong timing at all, uh, even though I didn't expect it. It was perfect, uh, and Elohim really blessed that moment and uh, and yeah and everyone surrounding us, I believe it's, it's neat to see that as well. So many people, all the people that were involved. I actually had one friend, only one person who ever mentioned anything to me because Xavier had many people say something to him about me, but I didn't really have anyone do that. So I had one friend who asked actually in May of 2020. And at that point I looked at him as a friend. So I was like, Oh no, you know, he's just a friend. But then she asked me again. And I had told her later on months later, later, I said that I believed that Elohim told me who I was supposed to marry. And uh, I didn't tell her who it was because she knew him. (laughs) So, so, uh, so then she asked me again at Sukkot at Tabernacles and I told her, I said, well, I said that that's, that's the man I'm praying about. (laughs) So, so that's just, just knowing that there were so many people who were at peace is just, I don't know, incredible. And yeah. And, and same with my family, actually, some my sisters, when I told them about it, uh, they, before, like before he wrote my dad, they said, wow, I have a, I have a really good feeling about this. I don't know what, I don't know why exactly. I don't know this guy, but I have a really just peaceful feeling about this. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> Great. You know? Uh, so, so yeah, there's, yeah, there's that.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, so, so cool to hear um so so now you guys you guys are betrothed um and you haven't yet um gotten gotten married so so what what does that look like what's involved um in that from from you know a a religious point of view and um uh you guys are uh you're not together at the moment you're um living in different places so so how does that work what does that look like
3: Yeah, good question. So the betrothal period, I think just first of all, looking at it spiritually, and again, still very new to all of this, but in Hosea chapter 2, Elohim is speaking to the divorced northern kingdom of Israel, and he's prophesying that although he has divorced them, he will bring them Back into covenant one day, and this happens through his son Yeshua, and that's how all nations enter covenant is through Yeshua. And he says, I will betroth you to me forever in righteousness and loving kindness, etc. And that really is our relationship with Yeshua right now. We are betrothed to him, but we have not consummated the marriage. That doesn't happen until the resurrection of the dead when we are in our glorified bodies and in his presence continually, and so if you think about the betrothal period then, are we married to Yeshua? Yes. Have we consummated the marriage? No. So that's me and Rebecca right now. In the eyes of scripture, we are married, but we haven't consummated the marriage, and so this time is a time of preparation, a final preparation, and we're just getting all our own life things in order. We're uh, doing lots of wedding planning. I think we had a date probably the week after I visited, I think we had a date. So it's it's, uh, it's in August, second week of August. And um, we've been trying to Zoom call, you know, a couple times per week. And really now we are getting to know each other because we didn't know each other other than the spiritual state of the person we knew. But now we're really enjoying, you know, getting to know each other. And we've been able to visit a couple times and uh, we'll continue to do so at mutual events until the, our wedding, and we are, we're dating now, (laughs) now that we're betrothed, and to be married, now we can date, (laughs) and have a great time, and so it's just getting to know each other, one another's family, Um, we, I think the first day that we were betrothed, we talked about almost every difficult topic that we could possibly think of, and got it out of the way, I mean, we continue to do that, as those things come up, we uh, pray together, we read scripture together, we Uh, read through some good uh, marriage books together and we've picked out people to mentor us and things like that so it's just a huge time of preparation and then both of us financially spiritually just preparing uh, kind of like how right now as the bride of Elohim we are supposed to be preparing and keeping uh, the robes of righteousness that we've been given keeping them clean until our bridegroom Yeshua returns one day. And so that's the spiritual parallel. And that's kind of what we're doing in the physical right now.
1: I want to hear about the ceremony that you had for your betrothal, but I do want to ask, you touched on a cool point about now you guys have started dating. I know that um, from the parts of betrothal I've heard about, there there tends to be this time where the couple will actually go away and not speak during this time of separation. So what made you decide to not have um, the the silence, but to actually use this time to to really invest in one another?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. And then that is a practice in the betrothal community at times. Um, I think it's a beautiful tradition. Um, however, it is a tradition. It's not commanded. Totally fine if someone wants to do that and they're being led. I think we we felt, especially because of the long distance and um, I mean, all of this was kind of set up miraculously and it's not like our families live near each other. Or it's not like uh, we can, it'd be difficult, I think, to prepare a whole lot if we didn't coordinate together And I mean, this is actually a time uh, I as far as I understand, in the Song of Songs and other places where you are the bridegroom is actually allowed to woo the bride. You know, you're wooing her. So uh, that I think ultimately is why we are doing it this way, but nothing against people who want to do it the other way either.
0: All right. That's awesome. I'm I'm really curious about um, the ceremonies. So you have, you know, the the betrothal ceremony, um, and then you have your your wedding. So I'm I'm curious as to, you know, the, the religious elements. What's involved in those? Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, when
1: we
2: when we were betrothed. When he asked to marry me, we actually counted ourselves as betrothed then because we made that that covenant or a vow that we made that vow to each other. But we did do a ceremony about let's see, two months later, yeah, in um, in uh, March, so about a month ago now. Uh, so we uh, we we signed our ketubah, which is a a Jewish uh, tradition, and uh, we made it very specific to though to ourselves and. Uh, and uh, I had a sister-in-law, she uh, did all of the art for it. And uh, Xavier wrote most of it. And we both had vows to each other on that ketubah and we signed it. So, uh, so that was our betrothal ceremony. We had some family there and that was a nice time just for a family to get to know both of us, both of us together. And, uh, and we washed each other's feet and uh, yeah. And it was just a time of prayer and uh, fellowship and um very relaxed a lot of people actually make a betrothal ceremony more like a wedding they invite many people and uh and that is usually the first day they touch uh we we touched when we when he proposed we did we did hold hands some and uh but most most people when they get betrothed they uh that's when they start touching that's when they're allowed to touch because that is the they're married at that point basically and uh and so that would be the time that uh, the couple would separate. So Xavier and I, obviously, we're already separated quite a bit. So uh, we see each other about once a month now. But uh, but yeah, that's that ceremony for us was very much like a, a wedding ceremony would be. But the wedding ceremony will actually be uh, much more of a a celebration and many people obviously will come and he will actually come and fetch me <laughs> as uh yeshua will be coming to uh, fetch us and uh take us as his bride and so uh so in that way it will look somewhat different and uh we'll have some some jewish uh, tradition as well in uh in the ceremony for the wedding and uh yeah so it will be much much joy (laughs) filled with that day and uh yeah so that that's pretty much what our our ceremonies will look like and did look like
1: (laughs) i i love that and i think it's um so beautiful that you guys are, are taking this time to woo one another um i am curious though about you were talking about Rebecca, um, how they wait until betrothal to touch and things. What kind of boundaries have you set in place? Because technically you are married, um, but I mean, now you also said that now it's like the dating period. So are there specific boundaries that y'all have set in place? I'm not gonna say to protect yourselves really because you're married, but um, you know, to, to maybe wait until um, until August.
2: Right, <laughs> right. Yes. Yes, we have set boundaries. Uh, we won't uh, kiss on the lips until shortly before the wedding. So, uh, so yes, we, uh, we have set boundaries in that way. And uh, I think it is important and uh, it's, uh, you know, I've had several siblings and that, 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 time can be very difficult. So you do have to use prayer. And even though we were, we are technically married, it's still that day is chosen, you know, for, or the wedding, the wedding ceremony, and that completing completing the marriage will be for that day. So, uh, so it's it's a really joyful time, and it's a just when we're waiting for Yeshua, it's that it's that time of preparation. And so, so yeah, doing the boundaries is a good thing. And so we have drawn those, and uh, we have we have a, a chaperone most of the time that's around. You know, not right there, but 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 nearby. And so uh, that is uh yeah that is important. Uh, to both of us, and it's not necessarily that we think kissing is a bad thing or wrong, it's more that it'll just make things could make things difficult uh, in that waiting period. So, so yeah, that's where we're at with that.
3: Yeah, and if I might add to that, um, and I, I've read a little bit about this within the betrothal communities, there aren't really many specified rules, you know, whether in scripture or in a betrothal tradition. So we, just like Rebecca said, we use prayer and wisdom and discretion and also the, the parental covering, you know, wisdom from them. So we're not necessarily saying that everyone has to have a chaperone or that you have to do things exactly the way we did it, you know, but we prayerfully chose the boundaries we thought would be best. And you have the freedom to do that. Um, within betrothal, because you have made the covenant. One of the more difficult things about dating and courtship both is that really there, it's difficult to see how you could not become emotionally invested in someone before a covenant is made. And that creates difficulties with where courtship, especially more so than dating, I think there tend to be a lot of random rules and they're designed to protect you. You know, have chaperones, don't hold hands, don't touch, don't do any of this. But two things on that. One, people tend to rebel against rules. (laughs) And number two, on what basis are those rules made? Because it's difficult. You're kind of in a, just an in-between, not really sure where you are sort of relationship. So it makes sense that people try to put some rules because really they don't quite know what to do. And they're just out of the goodness of their heart. They're trying to protect everyone, but that's why the covenant is so important. With no covenant, this becomes a lot less clear. The boundary thing. It's like, well, what do you do? Do you touch? Do you not? But I've already, I've already awakened love. And I, and then you, you, you feel like you've got to suppress it while you're trying to see, you know, if this will work. And so you, you don't touch it, but it's like you're conflicted inside. And so that's why the covenant is so important. And that's why in betrothal to a lot of people's surprise, you can touch. So.
0: All right. That's so interesting. Um, okay. So we're going to open it up for questions um, in a minute, but we just had one one last um, question um, for you guys. Um, and so do you guys have any um, en- encouragement um, or any words of wisdom for um, anyone who's single, anyone who's maybe um, wanting to um, find a really holy way to to um, approach this whole concept of what does it look like to, to date, to, to get married as a believer and, and um, maybe someone just in, in that season of, of, of singleness, of, of waiting. Um, Do you have any encouragement and um, scripture, scripture verses?
1: Yeah. So my encouragement would be uh, always
2: surround praying for your spouse in prayer, lots of prayer and really don't make a decision on anything unless you get a yes or a no <laughs> that's my my advice and even with i it, it's difficult for me to know you know how to set for my friendships even with other guys to know what was an okay amount to talk to someone and really just as little as possible of communication with uh with a brother in Messiah is really the the best advice i could give just to, that can open it can open your heart to things that, you know, you shouldn't. And so just prayer and, uh, and the verse with in Song of Songs, honestly, really, when, when I started listening to that podcast, the not, don't awaken love before it's time. I believe it's, it's said in two places in Song of Songs. Sorry, I don't know the verse right now, um, the specific verse, but, uh, but yeah, don't awaken love before it's time. So when you're praying, just to just pray for that, for your heart and someone else's heart, not to be oh awoken before it's time and uh so so yeah that would be that would be my advice just pray pray and seek the father and his will and he will give you an answer just keep seeking him and and uh if you get a no don't be disappointed be joyful (laughs) um and uh same with when you get a yes because it'll be that much more joyful when you get a yes (laughs) so uh that will be that would be my my main uh, main advice
3: <laughs> that's great uh, i was going to mention that as well not awakening the love before it's time um so first to those who may actually be you know trying to um uh, date or court in a, in a spirit-led way to the best of your understanding i would say please don't take um you know our own experience as casting judgment against anyone just want to reassure you that, look, Elohim brings people together all kinds of ways. And some of the only reasons this has happened to us is because we've had a lot of people to learn from. And we've also had a lot of people who've made lots of mistakes in our lives to learn from. If anything, it might even be more beautiful for Elohim to use something other than betrothal and have people be okay and be happily married. So don't take this as a judgment against that. Obviously, it's probably obvious which method we think is scriptural, but be encouraged. Um, If you're ready in that sort of place, just prayerfully ask the Father what the next step is. If anything here has resonated with you, to those who are single, we would say don't awaken love until it's time. If there's somebody with a question mark Above the head, pray until it goes away and fast until it goes away. Also, pray for lots of confirming witnesses. If you have someone in mind, ask people to pray and fast on your behalf. Uh, Be okay with being single. Don't think someone else is going to come in and fill your void because that's not how it's supposed to work. We're supposed to be content and happy in our identity in Yeshua Messiah. And that's it. And it's when that happens that you can join together with someone else and do something greater for his kingdom that you can't do by yourselves. But we must be open to the possibility of being single because when you reach that place, that's the best place to be. And then when something like this does happen, you'll be ready for it.
1: I love that so much. I know in my journey, um, personally, I for a long time I didn't like this whole idea of singleness and stuff and and uh and I was like I just want a boyfriend like look at everyone else having a boyfriend and da-da-da-da-da. but then I'd also seen the heartache of it and um the more I just spent time with the father and and really dedicated my life to him the more content I felt in his presence um and yeah and that was that's just how it's been for me just this contentness um, in the waiting, um, still praying and everything. But I I love what you guys said, and I I hope it's an encouragement. Um, I know that we have listeners, so I'm gonna open it up now to see if anyone is interested um, in sharing a comment on this call or if they have a question. Um, this is recorded. Um, And we will be posting it. So if you don't want your video being on, just keep it off. Um, And if you don't want your voice being on, then put it in the chats and and one of us can read it too. Um, We want people to share. This is safe space. Um, Again, not a debate and also not um, for judgment at all. So um, please feel free to share here. I'm going to just allow you guys to unmute. So yeah, whoever has a question, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Don't all jump in at once, it's okay. Okay, well, if there's no questions, then I guess we're gonna close this call. Um, Thank you so much for joining the first episode of Uncancelled Faith. Thank you to our guests, Rebecca and Xavier, for sharing their story. It was so inspiring and has left me a lot to um, go to the father about. And I hope that that's the same for those listening. Um, And I hope that you all have an excellent day.
0: Thanks so much,
3: guys. Thanks so much for having us, Hannah and Joy. We pray our blessings upon this podcast and it'll be used for great things. And uh, if anyone does have questions, uh, you can always message Rebecca and myself together mm-hmm. on Facebook Messenger. Um, we're pretty personable, so s- cell phone numbers probably would be fine as well. Um, we can Zoom and text or video chat whenever we have the time with anyone who wants to.
1: Yeah, and if you go to inspire-truth.com, you can contact us there if you have any questions or follow-ups and we will answer anything that you have there as well. So thank you again. And yeah, we'll see you guys next time.
2: Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Joy. See you later. Thanks so much. Bye.